0: Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my twenties. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March and quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing and I decided to go with the first choice and I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world and I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun this has been lighting me up so much and I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you, but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Vincent. We connected on LinkedIn. I saw some of his recipes. He creates these beautiful dishes, all plant-based. He creates YouTube videos as well. And I asked him to be on the podcast. We go into his story, how he became a chiropractor, how he got into nutrition, how he was able to overcome health challenges, and some of his favorite recipes to make. So let's get started. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know about your story, what your journeys look like so far, any different career changes you've had. <laughs> how'd you get to the place you're at right now?
1: No problem, and thanks for having me on today. So, I had an interesting kind of journey. I started so when I was a kid, I'm from uh, you know New York City, like Italian American background. So, I used to be food's like been a big part of my life, literally as much as as far back as I could remember. And what I used to do a lot growing up was my mom would do all the cooking, but I used to like always kind of watch and, you know, like be like a taste tester as a kid and whatnot. But I never really cooked on my own, but we'd have the one thing, like the one rule, you know, my mom had was like, we had to come home for dinner every night. So if I was out playing with my friends, like at the schoolyard or at the park or whatever, have to be home at six o'clock for dinner and then, you know, whatever. So to have so home cooked meals, like having dinner together as a family, you know, um, things like that were always like a big part of my life. And food in general was a big part of my life. And it, it was kind of interesting. My parents like kind of make fun of it now. But like, even when I was a kid, when I was like, four or five years old, and we would go to restaurants, I would never order off the kids menu, I'd always order off like the regular menu. So like, I've, it's really always kind of big, something like really big for me. Um, but my health journey, I guess, really didn't start until I went to college. So I went away to college and I played ball in college. I was on the baseball team in college. And like, I was, I was not necessarily formally educated on nutrition and like its role in health, but I figured I would like try to make the right decisions, you know, and the dining halls and whatnot. Like I'd try to have, you know, a big salad. I'd try to, have, you know, relatively healthy options and whatnot, or at least what I thought was healthy at the time. Um, And what happened was over the course of that first year, year and a half of college, I ended up putting on, I'd say like 25-ish pounds. um, And that really wasn't the big thing. And I didn't really, I kind of shrugged that off initially because I was still, basically as active as I always was. And I figured I was doing a lot more weightlifting because it was part of the program. So figured a lot of it was muscle mass, but what else, what also happened was I started developing some digestive issues that I never had before. So like alternating bouts of like diarrhea, constipation, and then like more subtle things. So things like brain fog and uh lethargy like the first time I ever had coffee was in college I never felt the need for it and I've always been a morning person but like something kind of kicked in around then where I was like hey I need like a little bit of like a kickstart for like an 8 a.m class even though I've been up already so like not thinking as clearly or as sharply as at least I remembered um and this kind of went on throughout College. It kind of didn't go away. I developed seasonal allergies. Never had seasonal allergies before I went to college, and I didn't really, I didn't really know what was going on. Like I said, I thought I was making the right decisions, and it, I did kind of put it on the back burner. Now, on in the interim, the last uh, two years of college, I actually worked in the weight room with uh, the head strength and conditioning coach for all the teams on campus. And I worked as an assistant trainer. So and one thing I really got into was I would help, you know, put teams through workouts. But one thing I really enjoyed was working with, you know, other athletes that were rehabbing, coming back from injury, um, you know, kind of getting them back, ideally, you know, into playing shape and whatnot. And I was talking to my uh, the strength and conditioning coach about it. And he was like, you know. I was talking about maybe going to chiropractic school or going to physical therapy school because that's really. I, I didn't want to go to med school too much because I wanted to be able to be more hands-on. And he was like, pick either one. And my dad happened to be a chiropractor, so I talked to him, and he was like, why don't you just do that? So I was like, okay. So I actually, now fast forward, you know, a few months to the end of college, a few months later, I start chiropractic school, um, and with the with the intent, by the way, to really just go head on essentially into like sports rehabilitation, like work with athletes, um, you know, from, you know, the grade school, high school level on up and basically get them back into playing shape. That was like my number one goal going into it. And over this kind of first year or so of school, those digestive problems that started in undergrad weren't really going away. And now the time I go to chiropractic school, this is the first time I'm living by myself. So concurrently um teaching myself how to cook so I used to watch my mom a lot but I never cooked like I taught myself the, the basics from literally like boiling water to turning on a stove to like I don't know making eggs like the easiest thing you could do like I had to teach myself like up front um and really the first dishes I started to make were things that were kind of you know in my background things I knew and I'd be on the phone with my mom a lot I'd watch a ton of Food Network I actually still do um, like learn how to use these ingredients I tried to make a game of it I tried to cook all these meals in like under an hour so just to like stay on track so I could still study and you know be active work out things like that and I noticed these problems weren't going away and it was up and not until I'd say the second semester we took biochemistry while I was taking it again but this time I had um a naturopathic doctor was the teacher and we learned it through like a different lens we learned it more through the context of how food plays a role in biochemistry and how nutrition can really affect it how it works and excuse me while I was While I was taking these classes, I decided, hey, the school I'm at offers a nutrition master's program. So I decided to take it or start it concurrently while I was in school. So there was like weekend classes and projects and, you know, a lot of reading and stuff like that. And about six months into that, now at this point, I'm about like a year or so into like my cooking escapades I'm getting a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable. I decided, hey, I'm learning about all these things in nutrition. And I have, you know, these health problems that have kind of developed. Why don't I start making some of these changes that, you know, I'm learning about in real time. So cut out dairy, which for me was actually the easiest thing to cut out. I was never a big dairy person, which I know is like the hardest thing for most people. A lot of the processed foods came out. I used to be a huge meat eater not only in like multiple times a day but like large portions um and that's not to say i didn't have like fruits and vegetables i had a lot of them too but i started paring that down a little bit replacing those with more like beans legumes chickpeas nut seeds all things like that and it took about um i'd say about four months for all that weight I put on in college to come off four or five months for all that weight to come off. And then not only that, probably within the first six to eight weeks, those digestive issues I was having, the brain fog, the lethargy, the, the reliance on coffee. Now I still drink coffee, but I don't need it. So there is like a difference. Like I can stop having it for, for an undefined amount of time. It won't bother me, but um. And I was like, holy crap, this stuff works. And this is where I started, you know, posting a little bit about it on Instagram. This is where um I decided this is where I want to take my career. You can actually change, you know, your health outcomes with what you're doing with food. And I know this isn't like a scientific study, you know, n equals one, I'm one person. This is anecdotal. But what I will say is I am a very kind of scheduled regimented person. So I kind of do the same things every day. Like my sleep habits never really changed. My workout habits never really changed. Like I was still going to the gym or doing some sort of workouts at least five, six days a week. This was consistent from high school through today. Um, get the same amount of sleep. Generally, my stress levels didn't change too much. That might've been the only other factor that might have shifted a little bit but if i'm controlling for all these other factors at least in my own life because i have control over them and the only thing that was changing was what i was eating i was like oh crap this can make a big difference and basically from there that's where i decided probably the last year of school uh the last year of chiropractic school i decided this is what i want to do and i finished that out i still work as a chiropractor but this is kind of the majority of what i do it's kind of teaching people how to make healthier food choices. And uh, now it's kind of led to, you know, corporate classes that I've started doing. And now um, I just launched this week, actually a program where um, if you want to cook with me, there's a live stream I do twice a week. So if you're interested in joining, you know, cooking with me, because this is something I've seen with my patients a lot um, you know, how do you make these things taste good? Now I, you know, Here, you cook with me. You could do it with me step by step. And, you know, hopefully that helps some people. So, yeah.
0: And when's a good time to visit a chiropractor?
1: Hmm. So, generally, and this is going to depend state by state, but more or less, you know, we're really good with low back pain, with neck pain. Um, A lot of, depending on the state, you have a little bit more flexibility. You can work with you know, sports injuries and things like that in terms of rehab, doing exercise, usually along or in conjunction with physical therapists. So yeah, if you have, you know, low back pain, neck pain, sports injuries, um, any sort of musculoskeletal type issues, these are kind of great times you would want to go visit a chiropractor. And
0: when do you know when you need to see a traditional doctor versus a chiropractor?
1: Um, so I would say it depends on the complaint. Now I do know there are chiropractors that work with medical doctors, maybe not in the same office, but you know, they have referrals back and forth. Um, generally if it's like a musculoskeletal issue, so, you know, an injury, something like that, that's probably where you would want to at least start by seeing a chiropractor and depending on the severities, depending on, um, if you need say, you know, X-rays or imaging or MRIs or maybe further testing, maybe there's some sort of uh nervous system issue, some sort of maybe nerve impingement or you know um injury that way, where something like sciatica, where it's causing maybe pain down your legs pain down your arms, then you might go see a medical doctor too or work together. Hope ideally they would be communicating together. And that goes vice versa. If you go to a say orthopedist, if you know, if it's something minor that can be fixed, ideally with, you know, physical therapy or chiropractic, there is some kind of referral system in place between those practitioners where there's kind of a working functioning relationship that way. And what are
0: some of the benefits of going to a chiropractor?
1: Well, again, if you're having some sort of musculoskeletal issue, especially when we're talking about neck pain, well, back pain, it helps, it helps relieve some of that. And considering, you know, Low back pain, specifically low back pain, is becoming more and more common. You know, we're having a lot of desk jobs, a lot of, you know, more sedentary jobs in general. We're not, you know, moving around throughout the day. Um, You know, sitting for long periods of time usually irritates, you know, your back to some degree at some point. So it would be a good time if it's causing issues. And then maybe you could, you know, do some exercises on the back end uh, strengthen, maybe get up from time to time, but that would be, you know, where you would perhaps go to one and get checked out.
0: And can it cause other issues, not just like lower back pain, but headaches and like different issues as well?
1: Um, yeah. So specifically tension headaches, these are usually done or are associated with like some sort of muscle spasms either on, you know, in your head. So the muscles that kind of wrap around your head and stuff like that. Yeah, they can be really helpful with especially tension headaches, um, neck pain too, and again, injuries, so long as, you know, taking the proper precautions and, you know, the treatment is viable based on what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, it it, it definitely goes a long way and should be, you know, should be explored for sure.
0: And your live cooking show, were you inspired by like quarantine and cooking more or have you always wanted to?
1: So actually, it's a funny story. So right before the quarantine was kind of put into effect, my girlfriend and I decided decided, we're thinking about doing something like this. And at the same time, I was approached by a company uh, to do corporate classes. So, And this was a company um, in Toronto. So it's not like I'm going there. Now, I've done some corporate classes before in person in terms of like doing cooking demos. So I was comfortable doing it, but I never did it virtually. So it was kind of fun to do it. And then after I did that first one, I was like, Hey, why not start, you know, sharing other people outside of this company? So what we started doing was every day for about six weeks. So for about mid-March up until late April, beginning of May, every single weekday, my girlfriend and I were on Facebook and you could see it. They're all posted on my Facebook. Um, we were posting what we were making for dinner every day and we got a pretty positive response. So towards the end of it, and we were about to move around then. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it every day, but why not come out of this and, you know, create a platform. If people really want to take charge of their health. I mean, that ultimately does not happen in your doctor's office. That happens in your kitchen, what you do in your kitchen every day. So if you're going to try to make these healthier choices, the biggest pushback I see all the time is how do you make things taste good? How do I use, you know, these new ingredients, et cetera, et cetera, something along those lines. So I'm like, you know what? Do it with me. I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how I do it. Um, and is my way right or perfect? Absolutely not. But I think the benefit of doing it live and is if I make a mistake, I can say it. Or if someone has a question about a – um, a substitution. I can see it in real time and answer it in real time. So I, there's a real benefit to that, that I haven't seen even with like my YouTube videos, because people can follow along. And even if they're not making it live right there, maybe they'll make it tomorrow, the next day. And at least you have an idea because you now just saw step-by-step step exactly how to do it. And honestly, the results are not the results. The feedback has been really good. And you know what, for those who are really interested in taking you know charge of their health, you can do it, you know, all the major killers today, at least in the United States, talking about heart disease, diabetes, uh, obesity, even cancer, like these are things that can be prevented. We have, and sometimes even reversed, we have the ability to do it. We are not held to the standards of whatever our genes might be. We actually have a lot of control over our own health outcomes if we're willing to, you know... Try and have fun with it, and hopefully, it's. I'm trying to do it in an entertaining and fun, and hopefully, educational way. What
0: are some of your favorite dishes
1: to make? Um. Ooh. So this is a tough one. So I know we talked about it a little bit before we came on, but I will say one that's gotten some really good feedback. So I did this in a live class, but I also did it on a YouTube video. Um, people like pasta dishes, so. I did a ball, a walnut and mushroom uh, vegan ragu. So um, that's a real awesome one for me. Now I tend to substitute, you know, your normal pasta. I use a bean-based one. Usually if I'm making that, I'll use like a chickpea-based one. But it was, it was attractive enough to some people that other people started doing it on Instagram. Someone did an IGTV video on it, which is pretty cool. So that's a good one. I will say the most popular one in terms of, people eating my food necessarily are black bean burgers for whatever reason. Those are a huge hit. Um, I usually do those. I'll make some sort of sauce, whether it's like a tahini based one or a chimichurri. Um, that's something, especially now that, you know, the, it's getting a little warmer, especially here in New York and, you know, down down in California, it's warm every day, but now it's becoming grilling season. So, um, you know, get it, being able to grill black bean burgers, pinto bean burgers, mushroom burgers, um, those tend to be a hit. So those are probably like my top two, I would say, um, in terms of one, in terms of, oh, that looks good. And the other in terms of, oh, this tastes really good. So, yeah.
0: And do you use flour? Do you use bread
1: or? Um, So for the burgers? Yeah. Okay. So usually, great question. Usually I use either almond flour or oat flour as my binder. So I won't use your all-purpose flour. Um, I try to use like a healthier alternative. You can make almond flour at home. You can make oat flour at home. You simply take almonds or oats and you just put them in a dry blender or food processor and you're just pulsing until they become a flour. So even if you don't have flour or you can't find it, either almond flour or oat flour, you can just make it at home. And that's usually what actually what I do with oat flour. I'll just have rolled oats or something around, so I'm like, hey, just throw them in a blender. Um, yeah, those are usually my two go-to ones that I tend to use for something like that. Yeah.
0: And for the um, for like the wrap for the burger, do you use like actual bread, or are you is bread processed or?
1: So I try to use what we tend to use. It's not technically gluten-free, but it is a sprouted grain bread. Um, That's the closest one to like a a regular bun, I guess. I actually do like it because, again, some of it's sprouted, which is good. If there is a sourdough bread, maybe sometimes I'll use that. Again, not necessarily gluten-free, but the fact that it's fermented means it's usually easier, more easy to digest. Um, sometimes I'll have it without a bun and maybe I'll make like sweet potatoes, steak fries or something like that, uh, to go along with it. So those are like the more common ways I do it. I-, I don't necessarily love using the buns. I actually prefer like steak fries, like sweet potato steak fries or something like that. Uh, just cause I think they add more flavor, but sometimes I'll use those types of buns. I know there's like keto buns and other things, but again, like, depending on like the additives and stuff like that, I really try to stay away from those. So generally I try to stick to, you know, as whole food plant-based as possible. And that's kind of the basis of it. And
0: what's your favorite dessert?
1: So my favorite dessert growing up was always, and I know I said I'm not a big dairy person, but the one exception to this was cheesecake. I love cheesecake. I still love cheesecake. I don't have it, but I love it. So actually... One of the things I like to make, but so one of the things I've gotten into making or at least starting to make is a vegan style of a cheesecake. And there's a few different ways you can do it. Um, You can make like a cashew cream and that becomes the base. I've seen one with use like coconut oil and stuff like that. I prefer the cashew cream one and then you can flavor it takes a little bit of time because you kind of have to freeze it and if you do layers you're gonna have to freeze one layer then take it out add another layer then freeze it again so there's steps to it but the other thing i really love and i've always been a huge fan of dark chocolate is i've really gotten into making sweet potato brownies so those are very easy and simple to do like i do them with sometimes four ingredients as a base you're using obviously sweet potatoes uh cacao powder um, if you want a sweetener, you can add it. Usually, I don't because I think the sweet potatoes are sweet enough. But I'll use like cinnamon, and then usually some sort form of a nut butter. I actually really like sunflower butter because it kind of goes with the chocolate taste a little more. you can Use like almond butter or cashew butter, or whatever you got, and then from there you play around with it. So sometimes I'll add cinnamon. Sometimes I'll add, make it almost more like Tex-Mex, and add like ground chipotle pepper or something smoky to give it like a different type of flavor. So from there you kind of play with it, but those are like the basic ingredients and, you know, it's very simple to make.
0: And earlier you were mentioning that you like kind of meet your clients where they are in their health journey. How do you like meet them where they are?
1: So, I mean, ultimately you have to ask, um, usually this is done during like the initial you know the initial uh, presentation. So when you're talking with them, I spend you know at least an hour, usually between like an hour and an hour and fifteen minutes, with patients on their first visit. And I like having an extensive kind of intake form filled out so I know where to gear the conversation. And honestly, I just want to learn about them. Like, how willing are they to put in these lifestyle changes? What are what are their main drawbacks? Um, You know, what are they doing day to day? You know, one of the most powerful tools that I actually have as a practitioner is a food diary. And it sounds simple and ridiculous, but something as simple as that is so powerful. And what I've noticed with, um, you know, the patients and clients I've worked with is sometimes the health outcomes are not necessarily dictated by the condition um what seems to be more again this is anecdotal this is kind of just what i see in practice but i tend to see a stronger correlation with are the people closest to you or are the people that you live with willing to buy in or at least explore new changes with you because these are the people you kind of share meals with and do these things with every day and Generally, and this is why I encourage, you know, if you have a spouse or someone you live with, um, bring them in with you because they need, they should be in on the conversation because it is going to affect their life in some way too, if they really want to go forward with it. So those that have spouses, if you know, he or she's willing to buy in along with them. Generally, the outcomes tend to be better than those who don't. Um, And. That's something that I think goes is really powerful. Having that support system, having people who are like-minded or at least open-minded enough to try new things and willing to explore, those people tend to do better. And it's another reason why I wanted to start doing these online classes. It's to kind of, you know, again, build that community aspect of it. And I'm hoping to learn something from, you know, the viewers from you learn from them as much as hopefully they could learn something useful for me. So that's something that I see a lot of. And again, I think isolating something to a specific disease, particularly if it's one of those chronic diseases I mentioned is while important is not the bigger picture. I think the social aspect, the, the sometimes stigma of those closest around you who are like, Oh, why are you eating that? Or not willing to at least explore and try new things tends to have a bigger effect on do these changes actually get made
0: and what is your favorite part of your business
1: oh wow um i must say i did not expect this but i you know in an office setting the podcast is a ton of fun. It's the one thing I don't do totally by myself. So it is great to have another practitioner's perspective. We often, not often, we occasionally don't, you know, agree or have the same exact viewpoint on something. And I think it's always great to have someone else's opinion or perspective. And I think having another, you know, healthcare practitioner on there with me um, is important, not only for me uh, to to have a bigger perspective, a wider perspective, but also for our listeners, Because you shouldn't listen to any one person when it comes to health advice. You should, as a consumer, um, you know, uh, as someone, as an advocate for your own health, you should be able to critically think, you should be able to make decisions on your own based on the information that you take in. So if you disagree with something I say, good. Like you shouldn't take whatever I say at face value. You should go out there, do your own homework and make the best decision for yourself. Now what I will say is I did not expect to have this much fun cooking in front of a camera live. Now I've been doing it on YouTube recording, but I love the aspect of doing it live, answering questions in real time, making mistakes in real time. I think that's really important because I, part of it, it's going to happen. It happens to everyone. Um, you know, whether I overcook something or maybe I'm missing an ingredient I thought I had or something like that, it's really important to be able to think on the fly in real time and say, hey, here's a viable substitution. And no, it's not exactly what we talked about, but hey, it's close enough and it'll work. I, I, it's so much fun. I mean, I don't mind having that, you know, spotlight in real time and I don't mind, you know, making a mistake in real time. So, that has been a lot of fun. It's, I mean, I, I used to be an athlete, so there is some sort of, I don't think it's competitive. I'm not necessarily competing against anyone, but having a little bit of kind of outside pressure to, you know, make something that tastes good um, is fun and enjoyable and not something I've recreated in anything else I've done. So it's been a lot of fun on that end. What is
0: something most people don't know about you?
1: Um, you know what, I I don't think, especially because I haven't talked too much about it in, in my own life, I talk about my health journey a bit, but I don't think people realize how much my diet has actually changed and how much it really has had an effect on my life in general. Um, I know in person, like I'm not necessarily the most open or I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, hey, look at me. This is what I did, you know, like kind of show off like in front of people. Um, and I think what I didn't know about myself, really, and so I'm sure other people know about us, is doing things like this. If you asked me 18 months ago if I would have a podcast and a YouTube channel, I would have said, hell no, that's insane. I am definitely more of like an introvert. Um, outside of doing this, I am definitely a much more quiet, reserved person. I do think most people closest to me know that um, doing this is a complete 180. But I will say it's fun, and to me, if I could even help, you know, a few people each day, you know, actually make a difference in their own life without spending, you know, thousands of dollars at doctors' offices or on prescription medications or on, you know co or supplements or supplements they might not need there is a use for them but separate topic um if you can do it at such a low cost and have such a huge impact even if it's only a few people a day like to st- like it, it to me makes it totally worth it so
0: and what is the biggest challenge you've overcome and how
1: um for me personally, it's, it's stepping in front of a camera. I do not like public speaking. I, like I said, I'm generally a very shy person, not shy, more of an introvert. I don't really speak just to speak, I guess, um, or speak to just be heard. Um, it, it is still a little awkward. I mean, I've been doing a podcast now for almost a year and a half. Um, but camera cameras a little bit different. Um, when I do live live demos, there's particularly um, in-person ones. Those are still a little bit nerve-wracking. Doing it over Zoom or a camera actually isn't as bad, probably because there's not physically other people in the room. And I hope I do a good job of showing it in person or not showing it in person. But it is still a little nerve-wracking when there's like groups of like you know forty, fifty people or more than that. Um, so. That to me, I never thought it would be something that I would be doing. Um, So that is still probably the hardest thing. And in my opinion, I guess the only way to really get around it is to just kind of keep doing it.
0: (laughs) And who inspires you? Huh.
1: Um, You know what? I'm sure a lot of people have said this over the past four months, but my idol growing up, when I was a kid, was Kobe Bryant always was I know he took a lot of his stuff that he says from uh from Michael Jordan um I was always a big basketball fan I still love you know playing and shooting around and whatever but everything in terms of like work ethic and like motivation and drive and attention to detail um I think I learned that at a fairly young age and I applied it most of my life growing into sports, you know, doing stuff outside of practice, working on things on my own, things like that. And now I'm just applying it into, I guess, my career. Um, you know, that is someone who, you know, you know, God rest his soul now, but has had a huge impact on my life, you know, and I, I never met him. But um, yeah, even to this day, like I still kind of, you know, go back to those things. Those are kind of like the core tenets of at least my day-to-day routine is, you know, being diligent, sticking to something, sweating the details a little bit, being maybe not, maybe OCD isn't the right term necessarily, but focused. Um, I think is my, the right way to put it. And that's something that, you know, if you want to do something, especially if you want to get into business for yourself or be self-employed. And even if you're not, even if you work for someone, if you want to, you know, stand out, I think these are things that apply regardless of whatever your career is. Um, You know, if you have a passion for something, that's kind of what you have to do.
0: And if you could go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell him?
1: Um, Step out a little bit earlier, maybe, you know, I would say, don't, be worried too much about about what you're gonna say when you start um maybe well obviously you want to you're going into a health space you know you do want to at least be fact-checked and whatnot but um don't be scared of the camera I guess necessarily um you know maybe just start sooner like if you think you can make a difference maybe just show people that you know either what you know and if Some people will like it, some people won't, but you know what, whether that's on camera or not, that's going to happen regardless of where, whatever the context is. So, you know, if you think you can help people in some way, you might as well just do it to the best of your ability that and you know, don't be scared of what other people might think or say, because that's going to happen regardless.
0: (laughs) And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you?
1: Um... I don't know necessarily. I do think, and I I think this is a point that is coming out in research. But one thing I see a lot is, I know a lot of people think they're like doomed, or basically they live by their genetics, and that's the only way that they're that's basically either a death or life sentence based on you know family history and stuff like that. But what really is the case here is. It might not necessarily be the genes that are the issue. It's what, you know, mom and dad were doing when you grew up. And do you do those same things based on those health outcomes? And I think as a society, if we take more control of our own health, if we are willing to acknowledge the fact that we have control and take ownership of our own health outcomes, we can prevent and a lot of times reverse a lot of these major killers that we see today and almost a a large portion of this is going to happen in our kitchen and all of us have a kitchen and that's really where the basis, the fundamentals of health are going to start and end. So if you're willing to get started there, if you're willing to, you know, do that every day, these are daily decisions that we have control over and it's all gonna start, you know, with what you put in your mouth on a daily basis. And I think that's starting to shift. And I'm hoping, you know, as a society, we kind of come to realize that sooner than later.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people connect with you?
1: So you can find me on, um, I I mean, I'll give you all my social media info. You can find me on YouTube, um, Vin Esposito, MSDC. Uh, at Vin Esposito, MSDC on Instagram. You can reach me via email. I'm very good with email. That's Dr. Vincent Esposito at gmail.com. Just D-R and my name. Um, you can find the new classes if you're interested in that. I'll send you a link for that. So the Patreon page is set up for that. I'm finishing up a landing page today, so I don't necessarily have the link for it right now, but I should have it over the next week. It should be done. So that'll be in place too um and then yeah you know linkedin I'm, I'm available on social media i'm out there so oh and on facebook the page is uh inside out health and wellness you can find me on my facebook page too
0: thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day